Coming up, why the Phillies all of a sudden have a huge advantage in the World Series and answering the D-backs five biggest questions entering the offseason, all on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is also YouTube. Follow the YouTube channel, Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button for me, please, so you can see my ugly mug every day. But on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, Steve Gilbert of MLB.com has five big questions for the D-backs entering the offseason. I want to answer those questions right here on the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. But before we get there, I first want to talk a little bit about the World Series and how we have another postseason MLB game affected by inclement weather and how it's giving one team a major advantage because, first of all, let me first say, happy Halloween, everyone. I'm recording this on Halloween, 6-15, Monday, October 31st. This will be Tuesday morning or whatever time you're listening to this after Halloween, but still want to say happy Halloween, everyone. We were supposed to see a World Series game on Monday, but inclement weather rained it out. Game is postponed, but now you look at that series and I think it's going to be a huge advantage for the Phillies to get this extra day of rest. And it's just another reason, like, why are we allowing playoff games, no matter the sport, be affected by weather? Every single team in the major American sports, I guess hockey doesn't count because they always play inside, but baseball, I guess basketball doesn't count either because they always play inside. Baseball and football. Every one of those teams should have a retractable roof. There's no reason for baseball when we're playing games in October, right? We played this whole season in the summer, all these summer months. Balls are used to, uh, you know, batters at the plate are used to balls flying out of the yard because of how good the weather is. Pitchers are used to, you know, being a little bit more warmed up on uh, on the mound, you know, not having to bundle up and wear a long sleeve like Do I want my pitchers freezing cold, shaking as they make every pitch in the middle of October? Do I want my opposing batters having their hands freaking reverberate when they try to swing the bat and make bad contact? Like, no, I don't want any of that. I want everyone to be on an equal playing field. And it's like, I want these games also to not be affected by weather. Like, I don't want to make an excuse and be like, my guy would have caught that ball if it wasn't slick in the outfield. My guy would have executed that pitch if it didn't slip out of his hands and he threw that wild pitch in the ground. Same for football, same for baseball. Like, I don't want weather to affect the biggest games of the year. It should be a neutral playing field. Dome, 
perfect weather. It should be 72 degrees, a little AC in there. Like, it should be perfect conditions for a postseason game. And yet, we're missing out on postseason games because we're letting the rain affect it. And guess what? If it was just a simple drizzle, we would have still played the game. If it wasn't even raining by the start of the game, you might have played and then gone to like a rain delay during a postseason game. Like all that stuff doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why we want weather to affect games. I don't understand why we want to postpone games because of weather. Like everyone gets a retractable roof. You can close it when it's rainy, snowy, thunderstorm, whatever. You can open it when it's a nice sunny day and then everyone's happy. There should be no reason why fans too. I'm also thinking about you, the fans, not even just the players on the field who are affected by weather, but like as a fan, do I want to buy postseason tickets to a game in the middle of October for playoff baseball to have my teeth chattering in the stands? Like, I'm not going to be enjoying that. Like, if it's rainy, I got to have a poncho on. Like, I'm freezing. I need to wear three coats. Like, I'm going to be miserable the whole night, and I won't be able to enjoy the product. So why we why don't we have retractable roofs in every stadium? doesn't make any sense to me. And now, I think this extra rest greatly helps the Philadelphia Phillies because now they're getting a major pitching advantage. It was supposed to be Noah Syndergaard going in game three. And whenever he pitches, it's most likely going to be a bullpen game. Like you feel like, okay, if I could get four innings out of Noah Syndergaard, that's quality baseball. If he gives up one earned run, two earned runs or less. But now the Phillies, they get to start Ranger Suarez, their true number three starter. Now they get to go back to Aaron Nola in game four, and maybe Aaron Nola still would have pitched game four regardless, but now he actually gets five days of rest. And now he could choose to either do Zach Wheeler in that game five or give him an extra day of rest for game six. And now this Phillies rotation, who we know relies heavily on two pitchers, they're basically going to move both of those pitchers up a day in the rotation, get an extra game out of them they might have not originally invested in because now you could get Nola in game four, maybe Wheel in game five. And then if you have to, bring Nola out the pen for a game six or seven if you have to. Like that option might not have been available before, but now you can actually think about that. You can even think about doing a Zach Wheeler out the bullpen in game three and then make him start maybe a game five or a game six after that. So there are just so many more options that the Phillies have now in their rotation because of this inclement weather postponement. Like I, I think that's just total BS that... The team that's an underdog in this series is getting more breaks because of just weather. Like, that shouldn't affect the game at all. So, I'm very upset to see that. And then you look at the Astros side. Like, their rotation is not really going to be effective because they're deep. They have arguably the strongest rotation in baseball. Like, you're still doing Lance McCullers game three. You're still doing Christian Javier for game four regardless. Now, maybe think about doing Justin Verlander or something like that in game five. But for this Astros team, I got like Jose Altuve start the postseason 0 for 25 major slump basically like the biggest slump of his major league career and he's been able to turn it around recently he's been back to hitting the ball well I think in that game too he had three hits but now you got to wonder that extra day off can Altuve cool off maybe he comes back to earth a little bit and then you look on the other side for the Phillies like Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper were kind of quiet those first two days do they get back in the lab and do some extra scouting now, get some extra BP in? Maybe they flip a switch coming out this break. Like, I don't know what can happen, but I feel like this is like a momentum-changing day off because uh, this wasn't expected to be in this series. And now both teams are going to get some extra rest. I think that's going to help both teams, but which team is going to get more of an advantage from this extra day of rest? I think is going to be the team that's more short-staffed and the team that relies on Less people for a larger role. Like the Phillies rely on their two frontline starters a lot more than 
the Astros rely on a Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander. Like the Phillies bullpen, like it's basically like three to four guys that they really trust right now. Like the Astros got a whole bunch of dudes that they trust. So the fact that the Phillies bullpen is also getting extra day of rest, I think is super helpful to them as well. So the Astros, I still like them in this series. I'm still taking them in six, but I wouldn't be feeling good as an Astros fan knowing that the underdog is getting extra help because of inclement weather a solution or excuse me a problem that we can all fix with an easy solution of getting a retractable roof so i would be a little upset if i was an astros fan today but of course no one's going to feel sorry for them because of their past history in the past few years so can't cry tears for the houston astros but i get it astros fans i get it and i see that it's not very fair to what's going on against houston right now now if you still want to bet on the Phillies to win the World Series or the Astros to win the World Series, despite Game 3 being postponed, you need to head to BetOnline.net because BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and Let's look at those five questions from Steve Gilbert of MLB.com. Five biggest questions for the D-backs entering the offseason. And let's just go through each question and answer them because we definitely talked about some of these questions on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. But since Steve Gilbert wrote this article, I want to shout, it out, shout him out and just go through each question because these are the five biggest questions for the D-backs entering the offseason. And they're all questions we've touched on on this podcast. And the first question is, how will the D-backs fix their bullpen? And I think this is a very easy answer to this question. You have to revamp the entire bullpen. Scrap it up and throw it out because outside of Kyle Nelson and Joe Mantipai, there's not a ton of dudes I trust. You're hoping that Kevin Ginkle continues to produce from what we saw this past season. I don't think Taylor Widener is awful. Caleb Smith is okay. So you can throw those guys back in the mix. Maybe another young guy progresses and shows a little signs of life like maybe a Dre Jameson Ryan Nelson and Brandon Fat like we all want those guys to be the three four five starters in the rotation somehow next season but maybe that's not possible maybe one or two of those guys move into the bullpen maybe hope guys that you traded for you know and that Zach Greinke trade Corbin Mar and JB Ruskakis hopefully those guys step up but to be honest it's not the Mark Melansons of the world on this roster. It's not the Ian Kennedys of the world who's going to be a pending free agent. I think, really, you got to hope some of the young guys pop. You got to hope first Joe Mantiply and Kyle Nelson have repeat performances. You got to hope you have one or two young guys pop. A guy like Kevin Ginkle continues to progress. Another young guy from the minor leagues. And then I think you have to go out there and sign like three to four relievers. And you might have to spend a little money on these relievers as well. And there are some good bullpen guys who are going to hit free agency. There are some guys who, you know, 
older closers that you could try and make a run at. If you want to go the Craig Kimbrell, Kenley Jansen way, I don't really want to do that. You got Brad Boxberger out there. You got guys like, I don't even know, whoever you want to name, there's going to be a lot. Archie Bradley's back out there. You got Corey Nebel out there. Like, I, there's so many. Taylor Rogers is going to be a free agent. Like, there's going to be a lot of free agents for Mike Hazen to choose from, both the righties and lefties. And I think you got to just choose make a list of the top 15 free agent relievers, both righties and lefties, and try to get four of the top 15. Try to get three of the top 15. Try to get four of the top 22, something like that. Because this D-backs team, I think, definitely needs to revamp the entire bullpen. There's not many guys I trust in there. Once again, just Joe Mantiply, Kyle Nelson. And we know how big of a difference a good bullpen makes because we see this Phillies team. It was their weakness all during the regular season. And all of a sudden, the playoffs... The bullpen is good, and a good bullpen has led them to a World Series. Of course, Bryce Harper's been a beast too, but I don't think it's a coincidence that as soon as the bullpen took two steps forward during the playoffs, this team took two steps forward as well. And then you want to hear something else? The Houston Astros led the entire Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA. So we see the kind of impact a bullpen has on a team. The D-backs were terrible in one-run games this season, and a big reason is <coughs> excuse me, the bullpen was not good. High leverage moments, save situations, runners in scoring position. Like the times the bullpen needed to shut the door on a situation and secure the D backs a victory, they were not doing a good job of that. So, D backs definitely need to revamp the bullpen. I think you got to spend a little money this offseason on some bullpen pieces as well. Like, if you could get another Mark Melanson contract, two for 16, like some people thought maybe that was a little bit too much for Mark Melanson. Like, if you're getting a quality reliever, like at the time, remember Mark Melanson. Led the NL in saves last year, all-star last year. It was like two for 16. That's definitely what you should be paying for a guy who's coming off the season he had with the resume he had. So I'm fine paying, you know, two years, $20 million for a few relievers if they're actually good and they can actually perform in the bullpen because we know Mark Melanson did not get the job done this season. Second question Steve Gilbert has written down. Should they trade one of their young outfielders? And they is the D-back. Should the D-back trade one of their young outfielders? Because right now, you got Corbin Carroll and uh, Dalton Varsho are completely locked in to a spot for next season, right? In the outfield, Dalton Varsho, super utility guy. But right now, you can say Corbin Carroll, left fielder, Dalton Varsho, right fielder. And now you have to wonder... Where do you do with Jake McCarthy? Like, if he's out there, he's play, probably playing right field, probably putting Dalton Varsho in center. They also got Alec Thomas, who's an elite, probably the best, arguably the best defensive center fielder. I mean, Dalton Varsho, by the metrics, might have been the best defensive outfielder in all of baseball. You also got Stone Garrett, who I don't think will be the everyday outfielder for the D-backs next season or anytime in the future, but is he definitely a DH platoon kind of guy with the big bat? Like, yeah, and really, Varsho, Carroll, Jake McCarthy, and Thomas – those are four really good players for three spots, and it's really going to come down, I think, Jake McCarthy versus Alec Thomas because I think we all know the ceiling of Corbin Carroll. He's a true five-tool player. I think he flashed enough this past season where it's like, okay, that guy's the real deal. We're all buying Corbin Carroll stock. Dalton Varsho, I think we're still wanting to see him progress and get better and improve, but even where he, has, where he is right now, he's still like an 800 OPS near 30 home run, 20 stolen base kind of guy. Like, even if Varsho plateaus, like, he's still, like, going to put up borderline all-star. Some seasons may put up all-star level numbers. Other seasons maybe be slightly below that. So I think both of those guys are pretty locked in. Alec Thomas, I think defensively, might have 
just had the best defensive highlight reel on this team, but offensively, his bat is not quite there yet. And then Jake McCarthy, kind of a little bit of vice versa. Like, I don't think he's terrible defensively. He's no Paven Smith out there, but he's not the other three guys either. But offensively, like, from this past season, I, I think he was a better offensive player than Dalton Varsho. Was it real? Was it a fluky type season for Jake McCarthy? Or is he really that good? So, I'm down to make Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas battle for an outfield spot next year. And I don't even think we have to trade them right away because if you were to trade Jake McCarthy or Alec Thomas, I think I want back either a high upside young starter or a couple, you know, two really good high leverage relievers. But I don't think we have to make that decision right away. Like, I want to give these guys more opportunity. One of them could play DH, probably more likely Jake McCarthy, DHs, Alec Thomas in the outfield. And I want to see how these two guys perform once again next season because Jake McCarthy has had more time in the major league level so it's like maybe all that time has led to better production this past season like let's give Alec Thomas a little bit more rope and see what we could do with some more opportunity and see if that back could come around because we know the defensive instincts are there and then if Jake McCarthy has another season where he looks like an all-star level outfielder then like yeah you gotta make Jake McCarthy a 145 game player so for the D-backs I wouldn't rush to trade any outfielder right now, unless you're trading like a Corbin Carroll or a Dalton Varsho in a Shohei Otani deal, a deal for a mega superstar Mike Trout hits the hits the free agent block, then I'm willing to trade anybody really in, in, in the roster, really, um, if one of those players come available. I guess the other reason why you have to ask the question whether the D-backs should trade a young outfielder is because we're all looking at 2024 late 2024 maybe early 2025 for drew jones but until drew jones gets called up like let's see how these four outfielders do and maybe you're just like okay carson kelly really can't be on this team offensively he's taking such a step backwards maybe just try to do dalton varsho full-time at catcher like there's so many opportunities you got the dh here now like maybe jake mccarthy just a full-time dh like i think there's still so many ways to get those four players a lot of opportunity in the lineup in 2023 so because of that i'm not rushing to trade any young outfielder the d-backs currently have oh i had a cough real quick now let's talk about the other three questions that steve gilbert of mlb.com has but before we get there i first want to say Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from games that matter to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. back into the podcast and let's answer the final three questions from steve gilbert the 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 final three biggest questions from steve gilbert for the d-backs entering this offseason the next question i have is do the d-backs need to acquire a third baseman and this is an interesting question because i don't think the d-backs have elite talent at third base i don't know what their ceiling is but I don't think they're necessarily in a position where they have to go out there and get a third baseman. Josh Rojas and Manuel Rivera will probably platoon third base next season. And really, like, if I had to be honest, I just want Rojas at third base. Like, Emmanuel Rivera might be the better defensive third baseman, but I think Rojas, a full season at third base, will just be serviceable. He'll be good enough. And then I want to see another season of Rojas's 
that, see how much more offensively he can tap into because I thought he was pretty solid offensively this past season at the plate. His numbers aren't going to pop off the page. They're kind of pretty much the same numbers he put up last year. But the eye test, I thought he looked a lot more comfortable at the plate. I trusted him a lot more in big moments, runners in scoring position, men on. He felt like he came through a lot more in those scenarios. And then I want him in the lineup as much as possible because if I have a Corbin Carroll, a Jake Thomas, or excuse me, not Jake Thomas, a Jake McCarthy, Dalton Varsho, Alec Thomas, and a Josh Rojas in my lineup, if I could get four of those five guys in my lineup in one day, like, that's a lot of team speed. If I could get all five of those in my lineup playing near 100 games, 120 games in a season, like, I could have four to five guys with 20-plus stolen bases, which is just absolutely insane. Plus, you throw in a Perdomo, can also steal double-digit bases. Like, I didn't think Rojas was this quick of a guy. Even if you go to sprint speed, he's not, like, in the top 10 or anything. Like, Corbin Carroll's number one in sprint speed among all players in Major League Baseball. Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas are both like two top 12-ish players in sprint speed as well. But Josh Rojas is not one of those guys, and he still was one of the best base dealers in baseball this year. So I want to see him at third base more than Emmanuel Rivera. Like, I just... Rivera, when he first got traded to the D-backs, he was on fire those first couple weeks. He looked phenomenal. He looked like a totally different cat than what he was in Kansas City. But to be honest... I don't think he has a very high ceiling. He can play pretty good defense at third base, but he's just going to be a guy that I think just is kind of middling the whole year. Just takes a lot of bats and opportunities away from other guys. Like he's not one of the D-backs guys. He's not a homegrown talent. So the fan base doesn't exactly have attachment to him. I think he's just going to go out there and be like a 245 hitter. If he played like 90 games in a season, probably hit like 12 home runs and just be fine, just be serviceable. But I just think there's another... I think there's a higher ceiling with Josh Rojas because of I think he could become a pretty good contact hitter at around 290 and then have those stolen bases as well. Like maybe he won't ever be a big power guy. Maybe he won't ever be a 900 plus OPS guy. But if he could be 780 OPS, 290 average, gets on base a ton, I want him to be high average, high OBP, and stealing bases. I want him to create havoc. He's going to be a guy that unfortunately doesn't bat at the top of the lineup because if we really think we're going to have a Corbin Carroll, Dalton Varsho, a Drew Jones, a Ketel Marte. Uh, like, if we really think we're going to have all, a Jordan Lawler, like, if we really think those five guys are going to be on this team in the next three years with a Christian Walker, like, that's six players right there. Where is Josh Rojas going to be? A Jake McCarthy as well? Like, Josh Rojas, unfortunately, probably won't be able to be at the top of the lineup, a table setter. Like, if he's batting eighth or ninth and he's getting me a 290 average and just stealing a ton of bases, like, he can be that guy at the bottom of your lineup. That's like a resetter, guy that could get on base, create havoc, create chaos once again on the base path. So I love Josh Rojas. I want to see him get as many opportunities as possible at third base next year. The next question Steve Gilbert has is, how will they get Mad Bum right? He's owed $37 million the last two years. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a way to get Mad Bum right. Like, Steve Gilbert wrote, it's possible Mad Bum could be released and they just eat the contract. Like, I don't think that's a bad idea, to be honest. Just eat the contract. See if someone will just take Mad Bum off your hands. Like, I really think the best thing you could do, the best case scenario, to be honest, I think for Mad Bum is you move him to the bullpen and you just pray he has a good first month of the season like he had this past year. And if he does, out the bullpen where he looks serviceable, you try to trade him for what? two cents on the dollar like whatever you could get you say he's owed 37 million the last two years we'll pay 35 million of that just give us a body that we could use out the bullpen just give us somebody just give us a dude like a jordan loop low it doesn't matter but we'll 
where I'm willing to trade Mad Bum for anybody that has signs of life that could kind of help this D-backs team. Because right now, it's like, how does Mad Bum help the D-backs? When he goes out there and pitches, is it ever really that helpful? Is his leadership in the clubhouse that helpful to this D-backs team? I feel like it isn't. So because of that, the D-backs want to just straight up cut or release Mad Bum. I wouldn't be too upset. I'm more pro turning him to a bullpen guy because I don't want to see Mad Bum in the rotation. Like, I want to see Gallon, Merrill Kelly, and then Drew, then Dre Jameson. I want to see Ryan Nelson, and he probably won't start the season, but we need to see Brandon Fat too. Like, that has to be the five-man rotation at some point next season. And if Mad Bum is one of those five rotation members, I'm going to be furious. So get him off the team at whatever cost it is because uh, – he just doesn't help out this young roster that we have. And when we signed him, we thought he was going to be the piece that pushes this D-backs team over the edge to the postseason. Now we realize he might be the piece holding us back. So let's get rid of Mad Bum any way possible. And then the last question from Steve Gilbert. Do they need to add a veteran starter for depth? I'm not opposed to this. Like I just said, I want Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson, Brandon Fat in my rotation. But I wouldn't mind bringing back a Zach Davies because... Let's face it, not all three of those guys are going to hit. So one of them is going to struggle. One of them might be moved back to the minor leagues or the bullpen. So I'm down to have a Zach Davies type as my number four, number five starter. I'm down to have two Zach Davies type. One that I feel more confident in as a number four, number five starter. Then just give me another back end, number six starter, long reliever type. Someone that doesn't even have to be great. Someone that could just eat innings in case of injury. But they can't be bad. It can't be Dallas Keiko. I'm not saying just go out there and sign any veteran starter. It has to be someone that's decent that you won't hate if he had to start three games for a team like Dallas Keiko. I absolutely hated that experience. Don't want to go through that again. Like, if we could get two Zach Davies type players, like, they don't have to be elite. Just guys you could throw into the back end of your rotation to eat innings and give up four earned runs over a five to six innings pitch. Like, you'll definitely take that because I think this D backs offense is going to be scoring runs next season, and they just need someone serviceable at the back end of their rotation that could be a leader, that could be a veteran, and that could teach these young guys the right way. Of course, Madison Bumgarner can also do that, but with his contract, I would rather get him off the team and not him playing any longer in the rotation. So that's why I think the D-backs should do. Yes, they should add a veteran starter for depth, but they should not actually be starting in the rotation unless it's like maybe a Zach Davies. Then I might change my mind. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. We were supposed to talk to Sully Baseball today. Did not happen because of the inclement weather. So hopefully we talk to him tomorrow after game three of the World Series. So come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.